What's happening? It's season two, episode 31, Contrast Uncut. Man, shout out Uncle Snoop's Army, Bobby D Presents. I would not be able to do any of this without you guys, so I appreciate y'all for just, you know, rocking with me and leading the way. It's your host, Zylo, a.k.a. DJ Wine Dollars Like I Won Some Money. Today, we have a very, very special guest. You know, he's one of them super producers, one of the masters of the rack, mega engineer. You know, he touches records like, you know, he touches people's babies. He takes a lot of care. You know, he takes a lot of precious time into that, you know, that seed of a song. And he's in it from in and out. He's worked with some of our favorite artists from E-40 to Kamaya to Too Short to John Hart to Los Rockas and many, many more. We got Empire's very own Clayton Williams in the building, everybody. Going down. Hey, hey, What's happening, bro? How you feeling? Man, shout out from uh, from San Francisco. You know, we on uh, that quarantine lockdown out here, so trying to trying to keep it fresh. No, I know you find your ways to get it. I know it's a journey to go from uh, from the Jose all the way up to the uh, to the city. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you get used to it. I mean, I was driving back and forth between the Bay and LA for shit many many years, like five years. So. Uh, yeah, you know, LA was actually, I spent the last five years in LA and then, yeah, I'm back in the Bay now, you know, so. Mm -hmm. So before I get into this quote, let me ask you this quick question. What do you like living more, the Bay or LA? Man, uh, it's a toss up because I'm from the Bay. So, uh, I appreciate, uh, it's a very unique place. You know, um, a lot of cultures bred and grown here, so I'm very thankful to be born and raised here. But they're just, you know, there's some shit about Los Angeles, man. I didn't want to leave, to be honest. Um, I really, I really like the vibe of LA, the weather, the beach, you know, <laughs> and then the the creative aspect because you get some of the, you know, you get the biggest in the in the world that that go to Los Angeles just to go create, you know. And so from a work aspect. I, I love I love Los Angeles. You know, I'm still I still got a studio in Burbank. Uh, I try to get out there at least once a month, a couple times a month. But you know, the, the Bay Area is home. You know, so I'm super thankful to be here. You know, I got uh, I just had my first son, so um, be able to you know r- raise raise little Manny uh, around his family. That's a blessing, you know. So. So you know, normally I wait until the middle of the show, but since you brought it up now, I got to give you your flowers, bro. You're a dedicated dad. You actually show a little bit more to society about your commitment to your children, but you know, versus others. But I mean, bro, I really got to take the time to say, bro, I appreciate you doing that because one, you you inspire. That inspires people that that are in the industry that are there that you know remove themselves that you know it's possible. Because as right, big right. as you are, you have a Burbank that's five hours away, 400 miles away. You make time to go there, but you still make time to, to you know, spend time with your son and, and you know, the development stages. Yeah, I mean, that's very important. That's very important to me. Like, you know, I was I was lucky enough to to have both my parents there when I was growing up. Unfortunately, they got divorced, you know, when I was in high school. But I remember, I remember how important that was to me, you know. And then when my parents got divorced, I remember how much that tore my my foundation from underneath me so i it cannot be there more of course we always probably can be but you know i mean i want to more than anything i want to show my son that you can do it i want to show him by action i don't want to be the dad who 
you know, hey, you should have done this, you could have done it. No, like my life should be an example for you, you know, to go chase your dreams and do what you want to do. So I live by that, you know, for sure. I, you know, it's funny because I used to think that my life was going to be over when I had a kid, but it's actually just the opposite, you know? It's actually think, just beginning. I think my life is fuller now, you know? Probably because, you know, it's just, you don't have the time at, at the, you know, it's be, without, you know, not being a parent. Um, so, I got, I got to make good use of my time. Absolutely. Because, shit, they'll use your time up any way they can. My son, when my daughter will break in this room while I'm doing interviews, I could be talking to the president. And right. all they want to do is get their dad's attention for five seconds. And right. they realize I'm on here. They'll make fun of me, call me like a, a button head, and then get up out of here. Right. And, and they don't give a shit who you're talking to. No. You know? Like, that? Yeah. It don't matter, like, and they all, that's just them, you know, they, and I appreciate it. It humbles me. It brings me back down to life. Like, it don't matter what I got going on. I got my own seeds that I got to provide for. <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks. So let me go ahead and get into my quote. Let me know how this relates to you or if it doesn't. And, you know, we'll get the show going. If you can play the piano, you could play any instrument. E-40. I agree with that statement. Why? <laughs> well, I mean, well, so I, I play the keys, like I'm self-taught at the piano, and I feel the only instrument I can't duplicate is probably the guitar, you know? But but because I can play the piano, I could use, I could tap into all the synths, all the sounds. So I think from that aspect, I'm very grateful to have learned, picked up that as, you know, my weapon of choice. However, when I need some good live guitar, I gotta go get the real thing. I can't duplicate that. Yeah, no, you can you can cut corners a little bit with the keyboard and make something sound good, give a good rift effect. But yeah. the shit, I, I, I believe that so much because the keyboard, you can have voices be at this at the finger of your tips, you know what I mean? And boom, you got this crazy Whitney Houston sound, and then you cross it with like this ambient sound just by pressing another key. And right. so you know, I, I love it. So <laughs> we both took the same aspect of what he was going with it. All right. Let me ask you this. Did the game choose you or did you choose the game? Man. So the game chose me. However, I feel like there's a multi-layered question to that because it starts with your love for music and music's effect on you as like a child and how like, you know, you listen to it. You know, like I grew up, I loved like R&B music at first, you know, like you know, Boys the Men and Mariah Carey and all that shit and then all of a sudden I discovered Tupac and it was like you know it kind of changes your perspective on life and I, so I knew music was a powerful thing so I, I think from that aspect I just love music so I got into it and that's what made me put in the time but then I feel like it shifted over time like now I feel like music's a tool for me to build bridges you know and I feel like that was always kind of like my ultimate my spiritual purpose but I feel like we all have different purposes, you know, it's like there's your spiritual purpose and then there's what you do for a job for a living to make money. Those necessarily can go hand in hand or they don't have to go hand in hand. Uh, I think for me, they go hand in hand. I've I, I made a conscious effort to connect those things. Because otherwise, otherwise, I think you can get tired of the music industry because the game, I mean, I'm sure you know, there's snake sharks wolves and fucking tyrannosaurus rexes and shit so you yeah. got to be on the lookout for, for, 
yeah, you got to be on the lookout for all that shit. So um, I feel like that the industry, I'm not the industry doesn't excite me anymore. Like that is that's work. That's business. But I found a way to connect it with my purpose, which is really building bridges through music and, and building with people. So, so it makes you look past the bullshit, you know. Right. So I feel like that um, it, the game got me, but it led me to my purpose. So when would you say you got your confirmation that, you know, your plan A of everything that you felt like was your gut feeling of doing music, you know, gave you your moment of, man, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is my confirmation. So I was kind of had this goal as a kid. I was like 13, 16, 17, 18. And like my favorite artists were, you know, E-40, Too Short. Like, you know, a group to MC Hammer. So it's like, um, I always wanted to work with them. And then it was like three years ago, I'm like, a couple years into being in LA and I look back and I'm like I found myself always like trying to seek validation you know like in this game like you kind of you know until like you have some awards or, or you're around some people or, or unless you just believe in yourself so innately that you're just like fuck everything else I'm dope I didn't have that confidence yet and then all of a sudden like I look back it was a few years ago and I'm like damn my idols became my friends and my business partners and that's when I was like, oh, okay. I feel like, all right, now I don't need anybody's confirmation anymore. I realized I had the sauce the whole time. However, you got to keep developing it. You got to keep, you know, even now, like, I feel like I've gotten to a place, but I don't feel like it's, I don't feel like I've done my best work yet. You know, so it's like, you got to keep going. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But, you know, it got to feel good when you're at the Niner game and GOAT comes on. And you know that that feeling that goes across your neck, them hairs go up, the goosebumps hit. Like, man, I did that. That's me, oh, bro. Bro, that's that's the biggest drug. That's my biggest addiction. You know, it's like that feeling of people fucking with your shit, rock, genuinely rocking with your records, and like whether they know it's me who did it or not, I don't care. It's the fact. It's the, it's seeing a stadium move. It's seeing a crowd or a concert or people just enjoy that moment enjoy those frequencies that energy that you put out there and man that's my biggest addiction to music you know I never get tired of that and you know i gotta give you a lot of your credit because e40 was the first rapper i listened to and then snoop Dogg. and you know what i give a lot of credit to e40 is that he's the goat like in my perspective he's the best my favorite rapper like lyricist like pre reinventing the wheel but also letting you know I invented this before you did, but I'm not gonna step on your right. toes because we can all get money because that's the game. And right. you know, to to how he got his deal with Jive and you know, I'm moving all this and how he rearranged it, like all of those monumental things he was able to do and you were able to deliver on GOAT and let him get his flowers for his, what he's been able to do to, to the game and his right. imprint. And so, you know, I was on hub when I, you know, we were able to finally get this moment because I got to make sure I give you your, your credit because you gave him hit. Yeah, I mean, that was the intention of that song, you know, from the jump when Mill and I got in the studio to, and started kind of constructing it. Um, as soon as he came up with that hook, it was just like, that was the whole intention. And we were, I wasn't going to stop until he had that, he had the record. And I said to him a few times, and it was funny because he didn't bite on it at first. He didn't hear it. He got sent a huge beat pack over. It's probably like 30 beats or 30, you know, a couple demos and shit. And he missed it. He didn't hear it. And then, I mean, funny story. And then um, 
And then Blueface is manager ended up getting a record. And then so it just became this kind of like, uh, kind of became a deal before it became a thing, you know? Uh, I'll leave it at that. There's a lot of other kind of BS behind the scenes, but, um, but yeah, it was intended for him, you know? He, for at least the Bay and, you know, the pioneership of entrepreneurial, of entrepreneurship and music and like th- those are the things I respect like I, you know it's like a lot of people make great music but then to become a staple is a whole other thing you know it's like and that's where you know I always look to B40s and Two Shorts and Stoops and Dre's and you know uh, Puffy and you know Russell Simmons and you know the Lyra Cohen's and, you know it's like there's so many um you know Timberland you know I see all that beat battle shit that's going on right now it's crazy too like that shit is so inspiring to me you know do you know what what people I don't know if they realize it but it's indirectly you know how people got out the great depression it was entertainment it was music it was it was that that got everybody out the great depression it wasn't because people were spending money or or you know what I mean because they had the Spanish flu it's the same thing we're going through right now and you know what I mean and music is what's getting people through pushing the envelope and you know, by you being able to work right now i gotta make sure like bro i appreciate you because you're allowing content to still get out versus right. film film is stopped like if it wasn't already filmed up and and you have that whole episode done it's stopped dead in its place right right hey i'm sorry give me one second oh, because no. my studio manager is blowing me up right now so all good, bro. Yeah. Oh, it's not even letting me send a text. Oh, there it is. Hold on. Oh, yeah. I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, are you familiar with All Black? Excuse me? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, he's coming in right now. So oh. my studio manager is like, where are you? He's about to be there. I'm like, I'm here. Just chill out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like All Black's music. I like how he came on the scene. And then I also like the love he got back from the culture at the same time. Because he's different. Right. Right. He is. He is. He's finding his space, you know, within that. And he's not afraid to be different. He's a real, real rock star. I'm a motherfucker, a real rock star. You know, so that's fun. <laughs> it's fun to work with. Uh, but man, you know, we were talking about uh, the the E40 record and transition. And I was going to bring up, you know, you brought up another great thing is the whistle song. You know, I heard that on Kiss FM and, you know, in LA when I was driving through. And so I, I actually was like, man, let me do the research on this song because, you know, it reinvented the wheel before everyone else started reinventing the wheel of these 90s songs and early 2000s. <laughs> right. The timing of it. Um, so, boom. Yeah, that, that that project was crazy because we had that. We I was sitting on it. We sat, John and I sat on it for like a year because like the time, the time wasn't right. Like all the EDM shit was hella big. Like we even did we even did some you know island stuff and 
dance hall stuff. And then we did like a West Coast tour and we realized, shit, well, commercially, this is what's being played. But in the clubs, there's like this kind of new resurgence to West Coast music that we were hearing, you know, or people were doing throwbacks, you know, they're still playing hyphy sets and, you know, West Coast sets amongst all the new shit. And, and that's where, that's when we were like, okay, cool. Like we're gonna, uh, we want to be ahead of, you know, shit, music goes in cycles, you know? So it's like, you can kind of, you can feel, if you're out, you know, you could feel when, when shit is shifting, people are getting tired of hearing the same thing over and over again. So you hear, and it's generally cultural things that pop up, you know? Um, so for, for instance, right now, like hip hop and reggaeton is like the biggest shit in the world, right? So it's always, it went from EDM to, to back to hip hop and then the Latin shit blew up and now we're kind of at where we're at. And so we kind of, I kind of saw that. Like, I think working in radio, uh, I worked for iHeart for about seven years and I really got to see trends come in and out. So what I've learned about being a West Coast producer and this, it's good and it's bad because the, I feel like it, it sometimes like we get pigeonholed being from the West Coast. Like we have to make a certain type of hip hop or a certain type of music. I feel like the kids right now don't give a shit, but our like my era for sure. Like we, you know, you grew up on on Snoop and Dre. Like that's West Coast shit, right? So we kind of have this like stigma to where to what works on the West Coast, and it does though. That's the thing, like it really does work, you know? And Whistle was one of those, like, I didn't expect it to do what it did. Like, that was my first song ever to get played on Kiss FM. Like, and I've been playing, I've had records across the entire West Coast, half the country, and Kiss FM is the biggest pop station in, in the world. Yes. And it's like, why, you know, it's like, how the fuck did this, this, you know, did this station, I mean, of course, like, Power had just played it, really just played it, and then they hopped on right away. But it's it, to me, it just went to show like how far West Coast music has come. Like it's really globally pop culture, right. you know. And I I don't think I understood all of that until like I moved to LA and I realized like, damn, every door I walked into, including doing a record for Justin Bieber, like it was because I was from the Bay. It was because. You know, I, I I was I came from the roots of you know kind of where the culture came from, and as a producer, um, th those were always my biggest songs, like the the Ratchet West Coast Club joints, and I tell people this all the time. Like I would like I I I write songs. I'm a songwriter, and of course, you know, beat maker, and I love making club music. But I put out some songs that I felt like Adele could have sang or something, and nobody gives a shit about it. But then I put out a two short lap. And hey, the streets turn up, you know, so I don't, I didn't understand a lot of that, um, even though I was, I was from, I'm from it, but when moving to LA kind of, it really showed me like, it brought it home. Yeah. Like this Bay Area, this West Coast music, like this shit is globally pop music. It's not local anymore. And, see, and uh, I'm just add this in there real fast. People forget that they hear the word pop. They think of like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Right. Pop stands right. for popular music. Popular. Right, right, right. And you know, they get that mixed up. This melodies, these melodic sounds that are in right now and it's being done globally with reggaeton, they're using melodies. Like, you know, this thing is transformed and, and it's like, you have to stay to the times. You have to be ahead of it a little bit to understand where the curve's gonna go to reset it, but you gotta incorporate right. what's being done now. 
right 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 and i think the evolution of, of it you know is always um that's what i pay attention to really like i, I love seeing music move forward and uh, you know that's how that record came about yeah you know it's taking you know that joel santana fucking you know little sample that whistle sample and but then when we did it we're like okay this needs to be too short and then when we cut the record with short he started the verse off with what's my favorite word and john and i look at each other like what the fuck did he just do <laughs> so that, that shit was fun you know and i just reached out reached out to short again uh hopefully we'll be working on some new shit so you know, I do want to throw this out there because you brought up such key elements that I, I don't know if this has been done because I'm not privileged, so I'm going to ask. Have you worked with her? I haven't, um, but I've definitely been following her for a while. Yeah. I saw her at Bryson Tiller concert in 2014. She was on tour with him. And I started following her and did not know she was from Vallejo. Yeah, yeah. Um from Vallejo, but she's been like in the system. I heard since she was like thirteen, like writing and you know uh, in LA doing her thing. Um, but super talented, you know. Um, I love, I love the vibe, you know. Reminds me of like old Guapale and shit, you know, like but new, fresh. But you know what's so crazy is that a lot of people, they use Guapale closer to my dreams as inspirational lyrics to write, but nobody gives her her credit when it's time of her being a goat. Like, you know, her inspiration of closer to my dreams is millions just, of people's inspiration. Right. I just We just flipped that record. I got a project coming out with Showbanger from the HBK crew. We just flipped that. I found out Amp Live produced that. And huh. like, I don't know if you know who Amp Live is, but... I guess I'm bringing him up because there's a whole like string of producers before me from the Bay, like Rick Rock and of course like Tracks a Million and Droopy and you know, like for a lot of these guys to be, um, you know, I was, fuck, I was 17, 18, 19 years old when all that shit was happening and um, I give a lot, you know, I tip my hat off to a lot of those guys, you know, I just reached out to Rick Rock the other day just because I reached out to Mike Mosley who did a lot of Tupac stuff just because, um, you know. You know what? Back- I'm happy you said that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because you know the story behind Rick Rock, right? Rick Rock went to the studio because Mike Mosley invited him to meet Fody and, and uh, Tupac. And mm. Mike Mosley was late. And mm. uh, Rick Rock was there on time. And so he started playing beats. And, you know, that's how he got his first placements because Mike Mosley was late. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, that shit's legendary, you know? Um, and that shit really motivates me. And now I feel like uh, the artists that I'm around at Empire and me as a producer, like we're now, at least for Northern California, like we're the ones really, like all the shit that's about to come out this year, like I know it's gonna influence the kids and, and influence this next gen- next generation, just like it did us, you know, when we were, when we were kids. So I think that's the, for me, that's the cool part of understanding uh, and realizing some of these things. And, Man, that's why even during the quarantine, I'm still like, fuck, I got to work. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Take a risk for a huge reward. Make a big difference. Well, I mean, I feel like it's a part of history, you know? Like, it's 2020, like, and, you know, like, we're literally, this is, but this right here is about this little quarantine thing that we're going through. This is about to be the biggest technological shift in human history. We look how we're meeting, you know? Right. Like, I wouldn't even have I would have just been like, nah, let me come down to wherever you're at and let's just meet before. Like, now we're almost forced to to do things in this manner, you know? So, 
exactly. It's the it, uh, exactly. Yeah, it's a crazy time right now, you know? So uh, let me go ahead. I could talk to you about music all day. And, you know, let me go ahead and start transitioning out of here because we got to wrap up this show. <laughs> I know you got All Black coming. So uh, real quick, man, I, give me give me a, a story, man. You know, the last time you were pulled over because a lot of people don't know what to do in a situation and the red and, light, red and blue lights come on, that high beam hits their neck and back and it starts looking for other heads in the car and they don't know what to do. They hear the blurt sound and get all scary. I'm not uh, I'm not a good person to ask when it comes to this. Every single time I get pulled over, all the last couple times I got pulled over, I got arrested. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last time, was, I think my license was expired or some bullshit like that and it was coming in the mail and they still, I was in Hollywood and well, on top of that, I had an open container in the car. I had a beer in the car. So, fuck me. I ended up going to, I went to jail last time I got pulled over. Yeah. Well, what's one thing you could do differently? Uh, don't drink and drive. I have two DUIs. Uh, so, I'm trying. I, I don't recommend that at all. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> so. Oh, that's real. That's real. And you know what? I have a feeling you're very compliant with the police. Like, they'll ask you something. You'll be like, yeah, sure. I don't lie. I just say fuck it. Like, you know, like, you get caught, you get caught. Like, if you're going to fight with them, I mean, you know, in today's world, like, that could mean death. So I just go, I just fuck it. I did it. Yep, let's just move forward. <laughs> you caught me. You know? You caught me. Yeah. I'm hands window what do you need get out the <laughs> car sir okay fine. you know well. okay uh i have this thing called trading places it's my next segment we take two iconic lies and trade places like dan Aykroyd and eddie murphy back in the day in the movie you remember that movie right right so for you uh i have two questions number one will it work and number two what would life be like it if they traded places so much trading places with who so we're gonna have two short trade places with garth brooks that's interesting will it work, work? um what era right now uh, we'll go back in the history. You know, they, they traded places at like twenty, <laughs> whenever. Nah, nah. Ratchet country wouldn't have worked at that time. It'll work right now, though. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Country stripper songs is about. It's probably they're being made right now. Yeah. <laughs> but that, yeah, twenty years ago was shit wouldn't fly. Can you imagine Garth Brooks saying? What's my favorite word? What's my favorite word, bitch? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Now, can you imagine all them crazy songs that Garth Brooks sang, and it's now too short? <laughs> yeah, I, and I couldn't see Garth Brooks rapping. I don't think that'll, you know, that won't work. It, but again, right now, it could work. 20 years 20 years ago people, people didn't, weren't as open minded bro Garth Brooks performs for 4 to 5 hours I've seen Shope perform he performs for 15-20 minutes right different big difference and different. folks I mean Shope got enough hits like Garth Brooks does that he could do a whole set for that long right 
I mean, shit, uh, uh, Freaky Tales is like 10 minutes. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and transition out of that trading places. You know, it's, it's just, you know, to have a little bit fun after we talk about the police and shit. Because that's PTSD. Every time we talk about they punk ass. But I got this thing called Impulse Q&A. We take uh, questions. We got questions on these cards. They don't pay me, so I don't say their name. But they got good questions. And, you know, they're good for, like, a fan perspective. Uh, you get an option to pass if you want to, but you still got to answer three questions. You ready? Yeah. Let's what go. Is, what is something that people are obsessed with, but you just don't get the point of? I guess right. Uh, I, I, before a couple of days ago, it was TikTok. Everybody's on TikTok. I wasn't on it yet, and then I got on it the other day, and I was like, "Okay, I get it." Oh, but did you everybody do dance with the family? No, I haven't even done anything yet. Uh, I just actually I was blown away by the talent on there. Like, there's so much different talent. I felt like I was watching like America's Got Talent or some shit. <laughs> I was scrolling through that bitch for an hour and like. Yeah, get it. But, but yeah, before that, I was like, why the fuck is everybody on TikTok? You know, I don't know. Uh, the social media shit. I, man, our, our kids are going to grow up in that shit. For me, I have to tell myself, I'm okay, get on the internet. You know? <laughs> man, it's like email. The kids will never know what it feels like to hear you've got mail and that dial-up sound. Right, right. Yeah, but now they're going to communicate like this. Right, but no, you know, we had chat rooms back in the day where we could be anybody and talk to anybody. And then now you got this where you can't have, you can have a chat room, but we're seeing your face. Right, right. You can still catfish motherfuckers though. (laughs) That's great. Question number two, who would you most like to sit next to on a 10 hour flight and why? Hmm. It would have to be, it would be a legend, like, like a Jay-Z or a Puffy or a Dr. Dre, you know? Somebody uh, somebody who's done it at the highest level so I can pick their brain, you know? That's dope. Now, don't go be telling people if they snore like that, because you know it's a thing. They're going to take a nap. Even, even Ghazi, even Ghazi and Nima, like, I'm blown away by uh, the infrastructure. Like, I'm only, like, since November, you know, into the, been working for the label, but... Um, just to see the the way kind of the in, like empires damn near reconstructed the industry you know how like labels are running and stuff now so it's like um, I, I get I get amazed every single time I talk to those guys too you know I gotta give my hats off to empire because you know there was a state where the independent world was taking over and the major world was separating and didn't know what to do to a degree and here comes empire like hey no i'm the independent god i know what i'm doing i come from uh you know the whole universal background and like how he came in and just knew what he was doing was just a blessing so i just want to make sure i give shout outs to gazi because he is a humble dude and, and really changed and reset the game yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm super thankful. Question number three. If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Mm. Mm. Um, my first instinct would be Mexican food. I love crunchy tacos. 
Well, we got this place in San Jose called Adelita's, and they got the best shrimp taco on the planet. And if I could, I would eat there every day. Oh, you got me writing down Adelita's in San Jose. I'm going to go try them out. Adelita's in San Jose. It's bomb. <laughs> so let me ask you this. What are you most excited for coming up? You know, I, I ask this question a lot during this quarantine time because we're all caught up in, in you know, the reality of the circumstance. But let's, let's right. talk about some joyful shit. Uh, I mean, I, I think for anybody, this is a great time to grow, you know, like if you're stuck, if you're stuck in the house, like um, this is the time to learn something new. I think for me, I'm most excited about, for me, I guess, stepping into the next phase of my career is being more of an ambassador of the music. Um, I'm working on projects that I'm going to put out. Uh, you know, I've put out Clayton William projects, like singles and stuff in the past. Um, but I want to do more of that this year to really, like, I think my goal this year is to break some money. Like, that's what, um, that's my, probably my ultimate goal for the year. Because I feel like that will be the next step to then, you know, um, back to the touring and all that stuff. Like, with, with some of the acts I've worked with in the past, like, that was my favorite part. Like, working a project from front to back you know from producing it to jumping on the road and putting the show together and you know DJing the show and um but I feel like to get back to that um right now I'm, uh, there's a handful of artists and you'll you'll see as the projects come out of the next couple months but there's a handful of artists like I really believe in that I feel are all like right in that you know cusp of being like the next ones on deck like for the across the west coast and um so I'm definitely heavily focused on that right now and then my other passion is just I love remixing and I love just I love festival music and shit like that. So um, a goal of mine has always been able to connect hip hop with global music to an extent. So, you know, you brought up like Los Racas and I have like some like reggaeton and dancehall projects. I work with this artist named Blaca de Danza. Um, he's a dancehall artist from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, we just put out a song with uh, Walshy Fire from Major Lazer. So, you know, it's like, I'm trying to connect all those dots. Um, but first and foremost, I'm definitely excited about all the new, uh, the new music. And then as it comes out, I'm going to make, you know, I'm just going to make a, uh, the best attempt I can at, to, uh, you know, be a face of the music, really help push it, guide it, guide these artists into networks and uh, relationships that maybe they don't have yet, you know, where I can, you know, I feel like now I'm, you know, 13 years in the game, so I can make phone calls across half the country. I don't have to physically go. Um, where before I had to get on the road, you know, go build with build with people and, you know, go shake hands and kiss babies. And um, yeah, so I want to, for me, I'm working on putting it all together. And also during this time, I'm trying to learn how to do more content, you know, do more studio content, behind the scenes content, you know, shoot, uh, we, we're building a content team here at Empire. So trying to you know wrap my head around like a studio show i put together to pitch to them and we, sh we shot some things um but nothing concrete yet but so yeah i'm definitely trying to just expand my horizons like i love making music that's my favorite part i was gonna ask like you we talked about out of all those elements what are your favorite performance making the music hearing the product when it's done hearing fan reaction i mean there's so many elements and i feel like you get yeah. a high from it all yeah and i, and I do i i think um, I enjoy all of them in their own space, but of course, like when you're like, um, you know, it's like making a song is like making a baby, you know. So it's, 
<laughs> some of them I get attached to more than others. And then, and then some I've learned to just cool, like it's just a part of the game. I got to keep getting records out so I can't get super attached to everything because certain artists are going to do certain things. They're going to push things the way they, they want to or they believe that works for them. So I, I, I have to be flexible in that aspect. Of, you know, I want to take care of the artists that I work with because that's, that's my job here at Empire. Yeah. But then, um, you know, it's as really a production company, as a, as a production label uh, on beat music, I'm, I'm still working on developing more artists, putting, you know, signing signing records, putting stuff out. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get to that phase, you know. So I feel like I, I'm, I'm able to, this year I really want to level up from, cool, I'm a producer to be more of an executive producer, a and you know, try to DJ Khaled this shit the best we can, you know. Yeah, man. So, uh, before I get up out of here, before we wrap it up, man, you got any questions for me? How, uh, where does this go? And uh, how did you get started uh, putting all this together with uh, Uncle Smooch Army and all that stuff? Uh, so pretty much I got told no a whole bunch of times and had good relationships and great conversations. And so I was like, I got something to use and put it together. And uh, the show came about and then I was trying to be unique and I got a brother that pressures me to be different, be different. And so, you know, that's that's where the, the content of the show came out. But uh, Uncle Snoop's Army just got behind my show about last week. I've been rocking with Bobby D. Uh, that's Snoop Dogg's agent manager. Uh, and he also does all the big events, the uh, How the West Was One to the uh, Army Rewind, uh, Lovers and Friends, you know, he does them all. And and uh, I had an interview with him and, you know, he really vibed with me. And so he gave me an opportunity when he got done. And, you know, now he's behind my show and now he's behind it. And, you know, I, I'm really blessed. I'm humbled. And I'm trying to keep it going. You know, as for when does this, like, come out? Uh, probably come out about four or five weeks from this, from, you know, from right now. Well, man, keep me posted, you know? Yes, sir. Until episode 31, man, Bobby D presents Uncle Snoop's Army. I appreciate y'all. I would not be able to do this. I have special guests like this super producer, this future pioneer that's going to leave an imprint bigger than his songs. He's going to really change the difference of how this game is done. Man, Clayton Williams, I appreciate you, brother. Likewise, bro. Thank you for having me. Yo, what up? This is Clayton Williams, and you're listening to Contrast Uncut, boy. Hey, 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 hey.